10 to 1, episode 48. Top 10 fictional world characteristics. podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything. I'm Melissa Kozer. I'm Brian Kozer. If there's something we love here in the Kozer house, it's fiction. I'd say that's the greater majority of our books. Fiction books, fiction movies. Fictional games. Games. Yeah, and one of the uh, neat things about fiction is different You can do anything. Fantastic yeah. worlds. Yeah. So, this list... I mean, it sounds a little bit vague, fictional world characteristics, but it's basically when you hear about a book or a movie or a board game or something with a fictional world. What grabs your interest? Right. When you see the cover and you see, oh. It has that in it. Now I'm interested. Or someone tells you, yeah, there's this TV show and it's about this and this. This is what the world is like. So... We'll see how similar we were thinking on these lists. Well, and how similar our tastes run as well. Right. Or dissimilar. uh, Yeah. I think mine is going to be... We'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm predicting (laughs) that mine is going to be a lot more fantastical in nature and less... Mine's going to be a lot more emotional in nature. I bet you went more concrete with your list and I went more general, but we'll see. Okay. Well, why don't you start us off with your number 10? All right. My number 10 is uh, actually secret identities. Uh, oh, and so... do you think we're going to have any crossover? I'll... I bet we'll have at least one. Yeah, I think one. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so Secret Identities is my number 10. So an example of this would be Jekyll and Hyde Hmm. um, or superheroes. Mm -hmm. I I always like it when characters kind of lead dual lives and and how does that affect them. So that's my number 10. Yeah, short and sweet. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll go into greater detail on on future ones. Okay. Oh, and okay, so uh, my list is ranked... From 10 is, yeah, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll consider it if it's got secret identities. But the closer you get to one, the more it's like, ooh, I really hope this is good. I really want it to be good because mm-hmm. it has this in it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how it works for me. Yeah, I rank them in order of what I like the best as well. Yeah. <laughs> what I gravitate towards the most. Right. Okay. So, my number 10 is... When there are inanimate thing, things that are normally inanimate in our world that are alive in this world. So the one that comes to mind first for me is the first time that I read Chronicles of Narnia when I was young. And they're going through the woods and the beaver tells them to be careful because some of the trees are yeah. on her side. And I remember as a kid thinking, oh man, trees. But they're coming alive. Trees that are alive. So you're thinking. And I still kind of like that. So, animate oh. plants. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Trees. Well, it's not just trees. Uh, so, would you say an clouds, example of this could be like the stars. plant that ate dirty socks series? No. 
I love that series, by the way. That is a great children's terrible series. series. Or, like, I remember, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I remember really liking The Brave Little Toaster. Did you ever watch that? No. That just sounds so stupid. It's a cool idea. It's like a little toaster, and he has a little lamp friend and a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, like but... On an adventure. But any kind of child cartoon has... It could have anything come to life, so... Yeah. I pretty much dismiss any of that. Or I would even include in this category things like Bob the Builder and, and Thomas the Train Engine. I didn't watch those as, as a child, but... So, like... I still like that idea. Talking animals and stuff like that, too, or... Uh, no. Huh. Because those are animate in our yeah, world. Yeah, I guess. Talking about objects coming alive. Yeah. Okay, so, like, That's the luggage from Discworld. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's another good example. That's one we can agree on, at least. Right. So, moving on to your number nine. My number nine uh, is Parallel Dimensions. And mm, there's a lot one. of different ways that you can do it. I um, So, with The Flash, there's, like, different worlds, different universes where uh it's there's the same barry allen on that world only he Mm -hmm. made some uh slightly different choices and now he's not the flash on that world he's just some nerdy guy or uh stranger things is another tv show with a parallel dimension spoilers if you have not watched it go watch it first now on with the spoilers there's like a dark reverse side to this world where it's the same thing but everything is shadows and monsters live there Hmm. and uh so i thought that was pretty pretty cool crazy creepy and then another one that i would consider to have sort of a parallel dimension would be harry potter and how you can uh go through these portals, and then you get into the wizarding world, as mm. it were. Yeah, so things like that where uh, there's two different realities that kind of exist side by side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess uh, I guess Chronicles of Narnia is kind of like that, too. Mm-hmm. The would be te- between the worlds. I've always loved that concept where there's kind of an in-between place, mm-hmm. and you get to that in-between place, and there's just all these pools of water representing worlds and they could be anything so i've loved that yeah that's my number nine parallel dimensions okay nice my number nine it's it's not like a property of the universe in the world but it's more of the world of the story i really like when when the story focuses around some sort of insulated community so that for example a a monastic community. So that would be like the Red Wall books that I really liked okay. growing up. Or maybe, or uh, Anathem, another one about a monastic community, really enjoyed recently. Or it could be like a collegiate community. So that would be like Harry Potter, like you were just mentioning. Okay. Or it could be on a spaceship where everybody lives on this spaceship, or an old sailing ship where everybody's living on that. So that would be like Horatio Hornblower. Or Star Trek on a spaceship. Okay. And so when you have this sort of uh, cut off small from town, yeah, cut rest. off from everyone else. And I don't know, I've always always been drawn to that. I don't know that I would necessarily want to live in a monastery <laughs> or like live on a spaceship for years at a time. Right. But 
I do like the 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 feeling of it at least in a book. So okay. I like reading about characters that are that are in that and kind of the family sort of dynamic that that tends to spring up in those atmospheres. People living closely together and working closely together like that. So okay, I I, I like that as a setting in a book. So that's my number nine. Insulated communities. Okay. Yeah, I guess I don't really associate that necessarily with fantasy or sci-fi. I didn't with, say anything about yeah, fantasy I, or okay, sci-fi. I know, I guess that's the, the fictional world. Yeah, that's, like I said, that's that's where my mind went. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, so moving on to number eight. Uh, mine is reality or historical events with a fantastical twist. So a prime example of this would be Doctor Who, such as, uh, you know, uh, Pompeii, the city, was covered with volcanic ash when Mount Vesuvius erupted. Well, in this, you know, that's a historical event, a fact. And in that episode of Doctor Who, it ended up, it was because the doctor had to cause it to erupt mm. uh, in order to save the greater part of humanity. The greater good. Exactly. So things like that, um, I think, are really neat. Uh, or there's Journey to the Center of the Earth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, technically a real, could be a real place, but, you know, of course <laughs> it's complete. Well, the center of the Earth does exist, but not yes. like this. Well, it's not hollow with dinosaurs. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was kind of a cool idea. What if you could journey to the center of the Earth and there's all these other, you know, crazy things going on in there? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chronicles of the Imaginarium Geographica. Whew, what a title. That is a book series. We have the first book, and we were loaned the second book. I haven't read it in a while, but it, it kind of is like that as well. It draws from a lot of sort of real events, and then kind of does its own fantastical twist on it. So, those are interesting to me. That is my number eight. Nice. So, my number eight is immortality or it, it that's a good one close enough to it i i wish i had thought of that one yeah. yeah yeah it's the living through different time periods yeah. especially yeah i think that's is really solid neat. yeah so examples of that would be multiple star trek episodes doctor who like you were just mentioning highlander which not a great movie but i really like that concept of Right. You have different immortals. There can only be one. Fighting each other through history. Macbeth from Gargoyles cartoon. Yes. Very long yes. character. Very cool. Vandal Savage. Not so I much know. in the TV show, but in the comic books or in the uh, old Justice League cartoon. Really like that uh-huh. character. And Forever. Johan uh, yep. Griffith on yep. that, episode, that TV show. Yeah. The, seeing that character living through different parts of history. And this is a really solid one, I and I wish I'd thought of it. Yeah, I, I just really like that idea. And I would also mention a book, The Boat of a Million Years, which I didn't love, but it was really impressive how he took different immortals from different countries and different time periods. The oldest one is all the way back from ancient Phoenicia, I think. Hmm. And so it starts off as this historical book, and each chapter is a different period in history. 
and you're seeing all these different immortals and they slowly come together and then by the end of the book they're in the far future on a spaceship Hmm. and uh it's really interesting it's not a great book but it was a good book and i just really like that that concept of immortals especially having multiple immortals yeah interacting with each other throughout history so i guess i don't really have much more to say that other than number eight immortals wow yeah that was that was good solid yeah yeah i like that one all right my number seven is a young nobody is the savior of the world okay i know now this is yeah and that's why it's not higher on my list than some of the others is mm-hmm. because it is very very common and i almost feel is has been overdone really um but i still still, still pick up the book still <laughs> read the synopsis and consider it weigh it carefully so examples of this would be the chronicles of perdain mm-hmm. you have taran he's a pig keeper and he ends up being the one who can save all of perdain there's the Wheel of Time series. And every other fantasy novel written after Lord of the Rings. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> Legend of Zelda uh, video yeah, game. Right. He, you know, he always just comes from nowhere. You don't know who his parents were. He's a nobody. And then Lord of the Rings. You know, it ends up, it's a little little folk, the, the Shire people, mm-hmm. uh, that end up saving the world. And uh, I like that. It kind of makes you feel like, well, I'm a nobody too, but I could <laughs> go do great great deeds. <laughs> so that is my number seven. Okay. My number seven is something that I've said for years I like in fiction. And it was one of the first things I thought of to put on this list. And it's when a world is somewhere that I want to visit. I don't know exactly how to put it in any other way than that. But some of these books... Like, for example, reading Chronicles of Narnia as a kid. Yeah. Who, as a kid, didn't read Narnia? Didn't want to go. Didn't want to go to Narnia. Yeah. Uh, Some of these places, uh, you know, Hobbiton in Lord of the Rings is another one of those places. Or Redwall Abbey. Yeah. Or a book. With its great feasts. Book I really like that I'm going to mention again, Anathem. They just really give you this feeling of, oh, man, I want to go there. I want to hang out with these characters. Usually then there's some sort of catastrophe that happens and you don't get to read about the happy good times right. in this place. But uh, you're always always wishing, oh man, I wish I, I wish it could be back to the good old days right. there. And I wish I could visit yeah. and be in that place. So that's my number seven. Somewhere I want to visit. Yeah, that's a, that's a quality of a good book when it makes you want to go be part of that that world yeah. and it's really vague but i felt no i agree with it, on it. The list. yeah because that definitely is fictional mm. who i mean who wants to go live in the real world <laughs> uh, real I know, I know i know but you don't read a book based on reality and think oh i want to go go live there unless it's about like hawaii or something yeah i don't really want to live in hawaii that was just an example i don't want to live in hawaii <laughs> Moving on to my number six is I like books that have something that in real life would be ordinary, but in the book has very different outcomes. So well, an example sort of, like of this. like a tree that's very ordinary no. in our world, but 
alive no, and talking up, in this shut world? Up. No, what I'm talking about is like <laughs> in the Ink Heart trilogy. Uh, so in real life, you read something out loud and nothing happens. Obviously, you're just reading to your kids and uh, the story doesn't come alive, you know, and literal characters leap off the pages. Uh, well, in the Ink Heart series, that happens. And there are several, a couple people who have the gift that when they read aloud, the thing that they are reading comes to pass. And uh, a whole series was built around it, a whole world. I love it. And okay. another, so like another example would be like a toaster that's normal in our world. Shut up. comes alive in no, this other world. No, I'm not. No, it's very <laughs> different. So another example would be uh, The Practice Effect, another book. Okay. And in that, uh, so in our world, the more we use an object, the more it wears down and eventually breaks. Well, in the practice effect, this guy ends up in a world where the more you use something, the better it gets. So what people do is they'll, uh, instead of constructing a nice chair, they'll build like just this little rickety framework, not very nice. And then they'll have people sit in the chair like 24-7 and practice it up, work it up to become a really nice mm -hmm. leather armchair or sofa Entropy or something. Entropy is reversed. Yeah, exactly. So I like it when books take, or movies, uh, take something very ordinary that you wouldn't think of in our, you know, you just accept it for granted in mm -hmm. our world. And then they completely reverse it. Or they, they bring new life to that concept. So that's my right. number six. Okay. Yeah, the practice effect was on my honorable mention list, but I was thinking for that one, odd physics. Okay. Physics that don't don't match up to our world. But I couldn't think of enough examples of that yeah. in different things, so honorable mention. Okay. My number six is I really like it when a fictional world feels like it has a history. Yeah. And, of course, the ultimate example of that is going to be the Lord of the Rings, where Tolkien created languages. I know. Because he was a language professor, a language nerd, makes up languages, and then he starts making up the hi a history of a world around these languages. And peoples and races. Right. And then he starts writing stories. And so he... None of us can compare to right, Tolkien. <laughs> he had a crazy amount of detail uh, behind the scenes, and you could... You could feel that. Right. I don't think every author needs to do that, definitely. No. But it really worked for him. Another author I would mention that really does this, and I'm not recommending his books, but George R. R. Martin, who wrote A Song of Ice and Fire, The Game of Thrones, okay. is the first book in that series. He also does a really good job of making it feel like there's a real world behind mm -hmm. what you're reading, and there's legends, there's mythology there in this fictional world and it feels lived in so um yeah I, I like it when i can tell that there's more that i can see i can almost make it out in the distance right and there's there's hints there's things that i don't quite quite understand don't quite know what the full meaning is or the full story okay but when there's a history a mythology behind the scenes that's one of the things i really like in a fictional world that's one i six. have one similar to that okay coming up okay it's 
It's essentially the same idea, but I phrased it a little differently. All right. All right. My number five is when fantasy tropes are reversed. Hmm. Okay. So uh, one of my all-time favorite books, and I'm not going to say it's a great book, but I like it. I Uh-oh. think it's a fun book, a good book. Uh-oh. Villains by Necessity. Uh, okay. That one's fine. So in this one... Uh, it ends up that the villains have to be the good guys, and they have to, quote, good guys, and they have to go stop good from spreading in order to save the world, because otherwise it's just going to, the world is just going to get better and better and gooder and gooder, and uh, <laughs> it will vanish in a flash of sublime light, hmm. basically. There needs to be kind of a yin and yang, a balance between good and evil for the world to continue. So, I mean, obviously, theologically, I disagree with that. But I think it makes a really fun story. Mm -hmm. And another one that I would give as an example is the TV show. Yeah, yeah, why not? Megamind. Um, but I was thinking gargoyles. So gargoyles, you think of them as these hideous, mm-hmm. uh, terrifying creatures, monsters. And in this, in the TV show, they are, uh, they have a strong feeling and duty of protection. So, and they, they protect the weak. They mm-hmm. protect those, uh, who they've sworn to defend. So I, I really liked that a lot, that they're not just monsters. They they have duties. They have kind of this whole class, I guess. And so, yeah, that's my number five. Fantasy tropes that are reversed. Okay. My number five is anthropomorphic animals. Yeah, I knew this one was going to yeah. be on your list. Or as I like to call it, animals in hats. I considered this one, but... Because uh. if there's anything better than a talking tree, it's a talking bear. Oh, honey. <laughs> In a waistcoat and a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I mean, this is, this is all over children's books. Right. Richard Scary. I really liked growing up, still like reading those to Lydia. It's of course, fun we art. mentioned Narnia and yeah. Redwall. Watership Down is another example of this. Yeah. Uh, in that case, they're less human-like, but yeah. they are still anthropomorphized to the point where you know, they're talking and having conversations. Right. And, um, you know, more human right. than an actual rabbit. And, yeah, I don't know. I like animals. I don't necessarily need to have a pet no you're not an animal hugger but i like zoos and i like animals wearing hats (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know there's something about that like uh i didn't think it was a great movie but what was the one that just came out with the animals and the zootopia zootopia yeah Yeah. i really like that kind of thing yeah we've got the different different types of animals and going about regular life sloths are the ones that work at the dmv (laughs) That was genius. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I like that stuff. Animals in hats. That's my number five. Yeah. Oh, man. If you you put a a rabbit with a blazer on a board game or a flamingo with an umbrella. Or a monocle. Oh, yeah. Or a walrus with a monocle. 
man. I'm all over that. Yeah, he is. If that's on the box cover, he's immediately. I don't know. In fact, there was a game that we we yeah, just we watched, watched a review for. We watched reviews for board and we games. We decided it was a bad game, but you really wanted it to be a good game just yeah. because of the art on it. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. This is I this like is it. quite the that's my number five. The weakness for you. Indeed. I knew this would be on your list. It had to be. All right, my number four is any book or movie or whatever that has terrifying monsters and beautiful creations. So in the world mm-hmm. of Narnia, okay. uh, you've got you've got the dryads and the mermaids and stuff, but you've also got werewolves and the hags and the witches. Okay. Uh, Avatar the Last Airbender, you've got uh, platypus bears. And uh, just some really cool stuff that they can uh, create with their airbending and waterbending and stuff. Uh, same with Wheel of Time. You've got the terrifying Trollocs and Mirdral. But then you've also got the kindly and gentle Ogier. And I don't know. I just I just like worlds that have new creatures and some are terrifying, and I wouldn't have thought of them in my own imagination. And then others are, are very gentle and beautiful. So that's my number four. Okay. My number four is something you've mentioned. Although I might put a little bit of a different spin on it. It's alternate history slash secret history. Okay. So I've always liked the idea of the different books That'll take different historical things and say, what if this went the other way? What if the Nazis had won World War II? Or uh, what if Einstein had become a musician instead of a scientist? How would that have changed the world? If I had thought about this, yeah, I would have predicted this to be on your list as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, And even, even worlds that are... Uh, not necessarily taking that where there's just one decision point and, and that's how it changes from our world, but uh, things like Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, where it's Regency England, but with the addition of magicians and fairies, really like alternate worlds like that. Or even like the t-shirts that I've seen of a cowboy riding on a brontosaurus or oh, yeah. brachiosaurus or yeah. whatever. Yeah, stuff like that. And I've, I've always liked those sort of alternate worlds. And then I also am including in here secret histories. So this is kind of like what you're talking about with Doctor Who, where they'll take a real event and then say, and there's actually what this really secret yeah. backstory. Who, uh, the ones I like best, though, are from Tim Powers. He's an author I've mentioned on some of our books episodes. And that's, I think, all of his novels. Basically, he'll take some historical events and he'll start thinking, okay, so how could I write a story around this without changing any facts from real life? How can I, uh, around these weird occurrences, write in some supernatural and um, Hmm. odd happenings and explanations for things? So, yeah, really like the alternate history and I'd say it's a subcategory secret history. Okay. That's my number four. All right, we're blowing through this list. My number three is magic. Yeah, mm. so mm-hmm. uh, that's that's part of any good fictional universe, I'd say. 
So Star Wars, yes. Mm-hmm. The Force is magic. Yeah. Uh, I don't really care for anything that happens chronologically after episode six, hmm. but I have really enjoyed, as I grew up reading a bunch of books that happened chronologically before that. And yes, I know none of that is canon anymore. I Thanks, J.J. Abrams and stuff. <laughs> I, I like d- the Timothy Zahn books. That's the exact the exemption okay. to the rule. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and I do still plan to go read some more Star Wars books. Okay. I got really burned out at one point, hmm. and even now I just kind of every once in a while, mm-hmm. and I've really got to be in the mood. But there there are some more Star Wars books that occur chronologically before. That I want to go check out sometime. So that's an example. Of course, there's Magic in the Wheel of Time series. Uh, and a fun... And a fantasy series, probably. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Master of the Five Magics is a book I just recently read. Hmm. And uh, that one was an interesting take. Obviously, it, it goes into... There's five different types of magic. Mm-hmm. And uh, how they all work together and compliment each other. So that was fun. Fun to read. Hmm. Uh, and then Avatar The Last Airbender slash Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are both, you know, they're fire, water, earth, and airbending. Like four elements. Yeah. Uh, they're manipulating the elements. And just, I love, love, love watching uh, all the different cool things that they can do with that. How they can use it to destroy, but also to build and help heal and, and things like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Magic, my number three. All right. Yeah, an honorable mention for me was Supernatural. Thing, okay, so pretty, this, was the one, this was the one I thought we would cross over on was Magic. Okay, yeah. Um, I, not, not that it, I'm not saying it's overused, but it's in so many different things right. that... It doesn't, like, I kind of expect it. Yeah. I don't get excited about it, necessarily, <laughs> if I see it in something else. Like, okay, something else is magic. I like that. So. Well, for me, it's the appeal more is now, can they find a new take on it? Mm-hmm. Like with Avatar or right, or well, Star maybe, Wars or some, some of those others. Yeah, maybe I could I say, like, unique. Right. Okay. Uh, magic or something. That that might have been closer. Yeah, to I felt list. that the ones that I mentioned are all very unique in their takes okay. on magic. Okay. All right. Well, my number three, it is time travel. I knew this would be on your list. Yeah. Are you surprised it's only number three? Because, you know, I like time travel. Good time travel story. No, I, I mean, I think it's good where it is. Yeah. Uh, we just read a book, To Say Nothing of the Dog, that I think did time travel really well. Back to the Future, of course. Of course. Famous time travel movie. And uh, still holds up. We just watched that one in the last year. Timeline, a book by Michael Crichton. Okay. With uh, time travel back to medieval France, I think. The Anubis Gates, another Tim Powers novel that I think does time travel really well. What was that movie we watched that... Like, is really hard to wrap your mind around. Oh, and yeah. It creates the box and crawls yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My mind is blanking, but it is called Primer. Primer. Yeah. Yeah. That one's pretty trippy. Yeah. I I only, and I only put it as number three. That's <laughs> that's really high still. But 
I didn't put it higher because I think a lot of times people use it in sort of a lazy way and you can write boring stories with time travel for sure. And so it's not always knock it out of the park. So it, right. I am somewhat trepidatious sometimes with like, oh, this is a time travel movie. Okay, well, let's just wait and see yeah. how you handled that. But uh, whether it's the, you know, time is fixed. And so no matter what you can do, you can never change right. the time stream, change history. Uh, that's always interesting to see how that works out in the story. And, or whether it's uh, you know, time you can do. be rewritten. Yeah. Fluid. Right. That can be a an interesting way to play with a story. Or so. things happened because you went back and mm-hmm. changed things. And what what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I included with this one anachronisms, which could go with this or could go with alternate history. And that would just be an anachronism is just something out of time. So I guess the one I mentioned earlier a cowboy riding on a dinosaur. That could be an, an anachronism. Okay. So, uh, or, let's see, I'm trying to think of uh, another good example. Oh, oh, oh. so there's uh, there's like some some t-shirts or or pictures of characters from different things in older time periods. So like, uh, you know, Spider-Man, but dressed like Shakespeare kind of a costume <laughs> or uh you know star wars characters in in uh victorian kind of dress that mm-hmm. kind of thing so yeah i don't know i was that's not quite alternate history or time travel but it overlapped enough that i didn't include it as a separate separate item so anyway mm-hmm. that's my number three time travel slash anachronisms all right now we're getting to the top two, and really, I think since four and up, those are the ones that really grab my attention. But these, these, these top two, I, I just can't pass by a movie or a book without at least looking at it. Okay. My number two: ancient devices and lost civilizations. Mm-hmm. And this is what I thought we were, uh, what I was saying earlier that we would kind of cross over on. Hmm. Well, with your, what was it, historical, ancient history or something like that? Uh, feeling like there's a history. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay, so for me, the Wheel of Time series is my favorite example of this. Okay. Uh, yes, J.R.R. Tolkien created a whole world and, I mean, a whole universe and history and stuff. And I just really can't get as into it as I can with Wheel of Time. I feel like you start off in this, with Wheel of Time, you start off in this little village, and then, you know, the guy knows that there's the greater world out there, but all you hear is just little legends and rumors and whatever gossip you can get from the, the peddler that comes in every now and then. And they're very cut off in this this remote village. Sort and then, of like Hobbiton, perhaps. And then they go out, and they start to see the world, and all its wonders and terrors and like the uh, they I know I know it's just for some reason I connected more with Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time than with Tolkien's 
Middle Earth. And I know people are screaming blasphemy and (laughs) turning off the podcast right now, but (sighs) I'm sorry. I am what I am. Okay. You certainly are. But... But like they pass by these ancient monuments, half buried in the in the dirt, or or they see something uh, far off, uh, and and you wonder, oh, what's there? You know, they pass through uh, this old ruined city, and they only enter there because they have to, because legends have it that a darkness dwells there, Shadar Logoth. And the mist that is ever-seizing, ever-roving. And you must not touch that mist. And, you know, just things like that with, with legends around them. And and uh, hints that date back, you know, things that date back to previous times. And you wonder what could this have been used for. And uh, there's history, but it's fragmented because there was a great upheaval and people barely survived and and they're not sure what all went what all occurred what was saved what was lost during that time so mm-hmm. <sighs> i know the wheel of time series is a really long series but it had really great world building i have to say uh every city feels different its own set of rules and traditions and kind of in customs uh, there, there is some junk in the book, so just if you're gonna go out and read them, then just be warned. But someday I'm gonna read those books again, and then f- give a more mature opinion on it, I guess. Hmm. Now that I'm, well, when I first started reading them, I was in uh, high school, mm-hmm. and now that I, I want to come at them with an adult mind and see if they hold up. But right. from what I remember. I still love this world the best, just as far as world building goes. And then another example would be my all-time favorite video game series, The Legend of Zelda. You're always coming across ancient civilization stuff and and old forgotten temples. and Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, I love it. That's my number two. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. So my number two is parallel universes so, instead of parallel dimensions well i mean it's, a, it's, it's about the same thing yeah i don't i think it's the same thing yeah i was specifying Spock with a beard exactly i was specifying parallel instead of alternate okay history which i'd kind of mentioned before um but yeah parallel universe as it's our world it's running in parallel so with an alternate history there was at some point in the past where something happened if and it branched off, and now there, there's this meeting Y shape. But with parallel, they're these two very similar worlds, but there might uh. be some slight differences. And so, yeah. So the classic example, of course, is Spock with a goatee from the episode Mirror Mirror, where there's the Mirror Universe evil uh, enterprise. Everybody's uh, the reverse Selfish, of what they were. yeah. Right. So love that when I saw that for the first time when I was younger and other ones like uh, Chronicles of Amber, which you've never read, uh, do parallel universes really well. Uh, You mentioned The Flash earlier, and I think in general, DC in their comics does a good job with 
having different parallel universes and different versions of heroes in in different uh, different stories. And um, yeah, I've just I like the idea of having the same people but slightly different lives right yeah maybe they made a different decision at some point or the world is slightly different for whatever reason and uh, i don't know if there's a a book or we just movie. read it jingo one of the Discworld books sam vimes gets to see what would have happened mm-hmm. if he had made a different decision Right. No, I, well, I mentioned Chronicles of Amber, that's a book. I wasn't going to say okay. there's not a book that does this. I was going to say, I don't think there's a book or anything else that does this to the full extent that I would like to see. Okay. So I would love to see, say, for example, a TV show where you watch the first, I don't know, say six episodes and it tells a story. So like a short season, six to 10 episodes, tells a story and then you come back for say series two uh, season two and it's the same but slightly different so maybe um i don't know like there's a love triangle and the girl ends up with a different guy the second time hmm. or you know that's a kind of a cheesy example right. uh that that's not really a big deal but that kind of thing where you play with different outcomes uh where you see the same characters but maybe in different time periods or something like that i don't i don't know that uh parallel universes have been mined to their their fullest yeah. opportunity i always i potential, really like it when potential. they do it mm-hmm. uh and it's cool when they do it for an episode or two but for a full season yeah or you, I mean, you can make much. it shorter yeah they they usually do make it shorter i mean the flash you really liked and they've done more than just one episode yeah yeah they've i know several yeah but they it's don't been like do the it. entire part of the point of the story for some of that's these. true that's true so i i think you could do it further yeah i mean okay sure it wouldn't have to be a 10 episode say before you switched but uh i think that'd be interesting or if you did it in a book form then um, having it I, I know there's uh have you heard of cloud atlas no, I haven't. So that, I think, is similar to kind of what I'm thinking, where there's, it's like, I don't know, maybe three or four characters, and then it shows them in, like, the far future, and then it shows them this other time period and this other time period. It's like the same characters reincarnated or something. Okay. Something like that. But uh, I think that's a really interesting concept. Hmm. I'd like, I'd like to see more people do stories about parallel universes, because it's my number two. All right. Well, for my number one, I actually don't have any examples. I'll give you some. All right. So my number one, I really can't pass up a book or a movie that has fairies, dragons, or unicorns on it. I have to at least look at it and see if it's something that might work for me. So I've always have loved. An of a book with fairies, I don't have an example dragons. of a book or a movie that has held up over the years that I'm like, I love this. Like everything else that I've mentioned, all the other examples, I really like those, those things, those, those TV shows and books and stuff. But sure. There's things that I've read as a kid, but I'm pretty sure they're just more for kids than for 
my me to enjoy as an adult as well. About the Hobbit, don't you like? The yeah, Hobbit? that's true. I like the Hobbit. What about How to Train Your Dragon? Didn't you like that? Well, considering I've never watched the full movie straight through. Oh. <laughs> mm, fairies. It's it's okay. Strange it's and Mr. it's okay as a movie. Um. Peter Pan. All right, there you go. Examples. Once upon a time. <laughs> All right, there you go. Once upon a time. Oh, once upon a time, how you betrayed us all. So how would you? So this is just separate from your hags and uh, whatever else you mentioned in that one. Right. These specific. Yeah. These are specifically uh, like all the others. It could it could be any kind of creature, uh, any kind of monster. I don't care. But for this. If it's specifically fairies, dragons, unicorns, maybe even mermaids too. I've always, always uh, liked those fantastic characters or creatures. Didn't we do a fictional creatures podcast? I don't even remember if those My were list. on your list. Where are they? <laughs> maybe. Oh no. I guess we're going to have to Are you going to go look? Boo. What episode would that have been? That would have been pretty early, right? We did that with, what? who was it? Zach? Luke? Was that the one we did with Luke? I can't remember. We, we did that, yeah, we, yeah, we did that with Luke. Mythological creatures. I think we did it with Luke. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay, so unicorns is not in your top ten fictional creatures, by the way. But fairies and dragons are. Fairies and dragons were your two and three. <laughs> so there. Yeah, so. All right, all right. I'll just give you 33% guff. Well, that's really big of you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Anything else you want to say about... Let this day go down in history. Today I only got 33% guff. What about a fairy dragon unicorn? That sounds dreadful. Yep, sure does. It sounds like such a dumb idea. I know it. So that's your number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Peter Pan, what were some of the others that you mentioned? The Hobbit. The Hobbit, Once Upon a Time. Yeah, it's my number one. Okay, well, speaking of Once Upon a Time, you could even use that as an example for my number one, which is the crossover. I have always loved, even when I was a kid, when you have two different characters or sets of characters from different things and they're thrown into one one uh story so scooby-doo and the harlem globetrotters for example or scooby-doo meets barney fife well actually scooby-doo meets don knotts but basically scooby-doo meets barney fife uh kingdom hearts what a cool idea for a video game where you have all of these disney characters cast into different roles you can go fight ursula with with pluto or with mickey mouse whoa Mm. whoa yeah, well, with Goofy and Donald. Yeah. You haven't played it, so you don't understand. I watched a little bit, and I thought, that looks dumb. It's okay, you don't understand. Once Upon a Time, mentioned that already. We watched that with all the different fairy tale characters. I thought that it's was a good idea cool. Yeah. For, a, for a story or fables. Too bad it bombed. It's a comic book series with the same premise, basically. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, not recommending that at all. But it's a cool I do idea. really love that idea. Yeah. of different Victorian adventure heroes all together into one story. Yeah, it is a neat idea. Got a book out on our bookshelf I'm going to read eventually called A Night in the Lonesome October. 
And that's a story with these different characters like Dracula and Sherlock Holmes. And uh, I don't know who else, who else is in there. Maybe Dr. Jekyll, those kind of, those kind of people. Huh. They're all in one story. Of course, well, this is sound interesting, all over superhero actually. comics. People are always teaming up and crossing over right. into different stories. And then there are even some comic books where DC fought Marvel. So you had Flash versus Quicksilver and Captain America versus Batman. That's cool. Superman versus the Incredible Hulk. Did they always end with it being a tie so as not to offend the fans of Hulk or the fans of Superman? I think the way they did that particular series was they had people vote. So, whichever one got the most votes, they wrote as the winner. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, and then that story actually ended. And I mean, it wasn't a great story, but it was still cool to see right. the Incredible Hulk yeah. fighting Superman. And then. How would that play out? And right. And then uh, that story actually ended with a. A, an, an honorable mention of mine then they all got fused together and so you had batman and wolverine got fused into i don't i don't know what the superhero's name was batverine i don't know it was something cooler than that dark claw <laughs> or something like that and so it was this amalgamation of of different superheroes mm-hmm. amalgams is my honorable mention um I, I couldn't really think of too many examples other than that and then the animals on uh, the Avatar cartoons, oh, yeah. like the platypus Mashups, bears, yeah. right, right. But uh, do like, like when things are amalgamated like that. Anyway, quick so. little side note: uh, if you like stuff like that, I have. Uh, I knew a girl in college. Uh, she got a master's degree at PCC, and her name is well. I won't give it out here on the air, but if you're interested, she her art is stuff like that. So. Uh, one of her favorite things to do is to ask you to try and come up with two things that you can't possibly imagine how those two would go together, and then she'll draw them. And uh, say like a pineapple and an octopus, and so she'll she'll mash those two together. And it's, it's always really fun art, and uh, if you're interested in checking out her art, you can comment on our website or email us, and then I will send you a link to her work. Oh, she has a website or something. I'm sure she does. Hmm. So you don't even know. <laughs> I'm going to look right now. <laughs> she might not even be drawing anymore. Maybe she's I'm sure she teacher. is drawing still because she went to college for, what, six years? Well, I wish I could say that everybody that went for an art degree for four or six years is still doing art. But uh, that's sadly not the case. Hard to make a living doing art anyway yes that's my number one crossover obviously it has to be something i like it can't be powerpuff girls meet power rangers i'm not interested in that crossover or archie and friends meet the punisher which was an actual archie comic (laughs) stuff like that i'm not interested in so it can't just be a crossover for crossover sake but Whenever you have a pastiche of different characters or different uh, objects, different settings from different works, someone takes those things and blends them all together. Um, I mean, you can find that in smaller or larger 
degree in things like gargoyles, in uh, Sandman comic books, and in in plenty of other works. I mean, fiction is going to come down to remixing uh, to some degree because uh, there's nothing new under the sun, and uh, for the most part, it's going to come down to if your fictional world is mixing things uh, from a lot of different items, a lot of different ideas you've gotten from from different things you've read and and experienced, or if it's you're just ripping off someone wholesale, like Robert Jordan with his Wheel of Time series. So that's my number one crossover. Had to get that Robert Jordan dig in there. I'm sure you won't mind. No, I recognize that he's riffing a lot, (laughs) pretty much entirely off of of, uh, Tolkien, Tolkien, but I still like the world that he built. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I looked, and I can't find the girl that I knew, so never mind, don't bother messaging me, but she did really cool art. I wish I could could find her on Facebook or on online. All right, well, hit us with your honorable mentions. I don't have very many. Um, some of them I already mentioned, like Talking Animals, Narnia, and Time Travel. You mentioned that. Um, and I, I kind of touched on it already with uh, uh, mundane things being being more interesting in fiction. Mm-hmm. So an example would be in the Discworld, things like luggage and tourists. Toasters. Hilarious. Rats. Just shut up. Mm-hmm. Uh, just <laughs> you're never gonna sell me on that. Now I want to go watch the trailer and see oh, if it's as good as I remember. The other one, I guess, the other one that I really uh, thought about was uh, boats or ships that take you to other worlds. I mean, not necessarily like a boat; could be a spaceship or whatever. But I was thinking, kind of as in Hercules, where, or in the world of of the Greek gods, where. Uh, you can take a boat to the underworld or the Imaginarium Geographica. There's these special boats that take you to whole new lands. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty much my honorable mention. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of thinking of something similar to that, of sort of the voyage of discovery, exploring new worlds, but I didn't feel like that was kind of, that was quite a characteristic of a world. Right. It's more like a, way to tell a story kind yeah of. but but i do like that and the only i mentioned a bunch of my honorable mentions along the way the only one i don't think i mentioned is the sort of groundhog day effect don't know of any better way to call it but living the same day over and over again yeah haven't seen it in too many things so i don't want to put it on my list but i do really like that idea of Sort of going with the time travel, sort of going with the parallel universes idea. Same characters doing the same thing over and over again, and there being slight changes or differences each time. So that's my other honorable mention. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. Leave us a comment or give us a question for our upcoming episode 50, Top 10 Questions from the Listeners. Yeah. You can email us, tto at coser.us, or you can go to our website, tto.coser.us, slash 48. 
Our next episode is going to be top 10 things every human should do. Mm-hmm. Tune in for that one to hear what it is we think you should be doing. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Melissa Kozer. I'm Brian Kozer. And you've been listening to 10 to 1. I'm pretty sure they made one sequel, but just think of all the different sequels they could have made to The Brave Little Toaster. I was just going to bring up, if you couldn't think of anything else for a toaster, how stupid, for a stinger, (laughs) how stupid that sounds. The Brave Little Toaster that could. The Brave Little, it's not that could. You can't add on words and say it sounds dumb. Isn't that what it is? That's the the title? No, The Brave Little Toaster. You don't even know anything about it. You might as well throw on that could, and it won't be any better or any worse. You're just making yourself sound bad by making fun of something that you haven't even seen. Don't even know the title. Don't have any desire to see. Sort of like making fun of Apple Cinnamon Cheerios when you've never tried them. Sort of like you making fun of Plant That Ate Dirty Socks when you've never read it. I have. You read it to me. I don't believe we you were married. actually listening to that, oh, or you would have, or you would have liked it. You were laughing. You giggling. closed your heart and mind. I surely did, and soul. And I was saved. <laughs> Shut up.